So I have this little routine that I do with my kids uh, often, every day if I can, but multiple times through the week. I've been doing it for years, uh, ever since the kids were little um, and could understand. Uh, so I, I, I'm driving with them, or I'm in the house, and I just start hugging on them, or maybe I'm tucking them in, and I say, oh, I need to tell you something. And they'll be like, what? And I'll say, I love you so much. I can't even measure it. It just goes on forever. Now, my 13 and 14-year-old right now, in their current state of mind, they just roll their eyes like, oh, Dad, really? Come on. Been hearing that for years. Uh, my 7-year-old still has a little more appreciation for that moment. I'll say, guess what? She goes, I know, Dad. You love me so much. It goes on forever. You can't measure it. And she gets this little smile. And the little smile just exudes um, comfort and, 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 and joy and security. And I just, I just know the seeds of that statement you know, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of times they're going to hear that in their lifetime, but I know the seeds will bear fruit later, that those kids know for certain that I love them. And because they know I love them, they know that I care for them. And so my, my love, as, as, as immeasurable as it feels for them, leads me to care for them in such great ways. I gladly provide for my, my family, my kids. Man, I gladly... Um, would uh, fiercely defend them, and if called to it, and without hesitation, I would lay down my life for the sake of my kids. A lot of you have experienced that kind of love too. Maybe you were recipients of great parents like that, or maybe as parents or as grandparents, you know what it feels like to, to love and care for someone on that level. Maybe some of you are going, well, that's not my story. In fact, I've never had that. But you know what? You long for it. You crave it. And the good news is that you have that kind of love and care in Jesus Christ available. It's available to you. And what's so interesting is, as immeasurably as it feels for me to love my kids, and for you to love your kids and grandkids and family members, it pales in comparison to the way Jesus loves and cares for you. Like our love for our loved ones is like a speck of sand on the seashore compared to the way that Jesus Christ loves and cares for us. Man, recipients of a great love, of a great care, of a great God. Now, uh, when you study the life and teachings of Jesus, you see him demonstrate and articulate that love and care for others in so many creative and various ways. But there's one phrase that really conveys uniquely about the love and care of Jesus for his people. And it's a phrase that we find in John chapter 10. I invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 11, because we're, we're going to look at this, and I want you to see it for yourself. I want you to get your eyes on this statement for yourself, because what Jesus says here, he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. It's one of the seven I am statements that Jesus uses. These I am statements combine his proclamation to be God, I am, with a unique picture or metaphor of how his love can be experienced um, in, in our relationship with him. So I am the good shepherd. That's what we're looking at today. And so John chapter 10, let's look at verses 11 through 18. Hope you're there with me in your Bible apps or your Bible. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us. We truly cannot fully grasp your love for us, how great your care is for us. And Lord, in a world of uncertainty, we long to be certain, to be secure, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, and you've provided all of that in relationship with you. So Lord, for those people that are watching online right now and who are here in this room, Lord, for those who know you, may you deeply enrich and encourage them today as they uh, revisit this concept of you being their good shepherd. And for anyone who does not know you as Savior, Lord, that today you would move them closer or even into that relationship with you that brings the experience of the love and care that you offer. So Lord, teach us today as we look at your words. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. When I look at this passage, I want to share with you quickly four items. Jesus being the good shepherd helps you be certain of his care for you because first, he owns you. He owns you. Look again at verses 12 and 13. He's making this contrast, right, between a hired hand and an actual shepherd. He says in verse 12 and 13, he who's a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep, flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The imagery that Jesus is using here is very common in ancient Israel. It's still common today of a shepherd and a sheep. And it wasn't just a job. The shepherd had great um, intentionality, great investment, great care, great ownership in their sheep. And a shepherd would often hire a hired hand when they needed to travel or when they needed to go run errands. They needed someone to watch their sheep for them. And so they would get someone to watch the sheep if the sheep were inside the sheepfold. We talked about this last week. The, The shepherd would bring his sheep into his fold. Sometimes he would need another shepherd to watch the sheep in the fold, or sometimes out in the field, he would have another shepherd out in the field, the hired hand. And so the shepherd would go need to do what he needs to do and come back while the hired hand is there. If all of a sudden an animal, a wolf in this case, were to threaten the sheep, the shepherd is like, hey man, this isn't my gig. I don't want to get bit, you know? And so he didn't have the level of ownership. He didn't have the level of investment. So the hired hand would flee. And of course, the hired hand in this text represents the Pharisees. This is who Jesus is talking to. If you back up and look at earlier in John chapter 10, if you go to the end of John chapter 9, Jesus is having this conversation in a crowd, but he's talking to this group of Pharisees, the religious leaders of the Jews, who strayed from truly caring for the flock of Israel that God placed in their care. And now they were like hired hands. They were about self-preservation. They were not about protection of the sheep. They were about self-indulgence. And they either neglected the sheep or, worse, they exploited them through oppression or heavy-handed religion. Rather than keeping the sheep in relationship with God, they used rules and rituals and legalistic measures for personal gain. But that's not the case of the shepherd because the shepherd owns the sheep and provides and protects and loves and cares unlike the hired hand. And so for the, the, the hired hand... The threat would come, they would bug out because they don't have that ownership. Now, unfortunately, some of you have experienced that in your spiritual faith journey. Maybe you belong to a faith system or a church where you didn't feel like they were genuinely caring for you. Or maybe you were hurt by a spiritual leader. Maybe someone neglected you or worse, took advantage of you. I just want to say I'm sorry that you experienced that. But I also want to encourage you, don't let the mistakes of the hired hand prevents you from being in a loving relationship with a good shepherd. 
Because a hired hand didn't take care of you, but the good shepherd still does and still can. And so he's the owner of the sheep. And here Jesus says, right here he says, the sheep are my own. He owns us. And as followers of Christ, we are his. Now we know by nature of creation, everything is God's. Everybody belongs to God. But for those who've come into a relationship with Jesus, you're a beloved child of God. You've placed your faith in him for the salvation of your souls. You're what would we call a redeemed believer. You belong to Jesus. He owns you. You're his sheep, his beloved child. And he invites you into his fold uh, to experience him as owner. Uh, we talked about this last week that, again, the shepherd would bring the sheep into the pen. This is a very small model of what would be a very larger and higher walled uh, stone, um, uh, I'm thinking the word, wall, <laughs> enclosure. That's what I was, I'm going, what's the E word? Uh, they'd make an enclosure out of rocks and it would be huge. And they would put all the sheep in there and the, these are my sheep. And the, the shepherd would inspect the sheep Sometimes there would be multiple flocks, and so they would inspect the sheep that come and go to see if they were theirs. Uh, a lot of you are familiar with the shepherd's rod or the staff or the crook, and this was a very multifaceted tool. They used it in many ways, but one of the ways that the shepherd knows that the sheep's its own is as the sheep would enter or leave the fold, they would lower the rod and stop the sheep and inspect the sheep to make sure it's good, look for features that maybe would pinpoint the sheep as its own, and so it would actually stop and release the sheep saying, that's mine. Now, that one's mine, and they can inspect. You know, when you look in, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus says he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about he'll be able to separate the goats and the sheep, which ones are his and which ones are not. And so when we know Jesus as the good shepherd, we can be certain because he owns us. And that ownership of us gives us um, joy, it gives us peace, it gives us security, it makes us certain. Now, we can also be certain, not just because Jesus owns us, but also because Jesus knows us. Jesus knows us. Look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. This is one of the most comfortable yet vulnerable phrases. It's one of those moments where you go, God knows me. Isn't that great? And then you're like, oh, crud, God knows me. Jesus knows the good and the bad and the ugly and loves us anyways. He knows us. You know, in Jeremiah 1.5, we're encouraged with this. God speaks to Jeremiah and through Jeremiah when he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I even formed you in the womb, I knew who you are. I knew who you were going to be. I knew everything. David echoed that in Psalm 139.1. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and known me. And we're known by Jesus. And, and this is a powerful comparison that Jesus used here. He, he now brings in two of the three uh, personhoods of the Trinity, this, this beautiful mystery of one God, but with three personalities, three distinct personhoods. And he brings in two of them. It says the Father and the Son. The Son intimately and personally knows the Father. And the Father personally and intimately knows the Son. And in the same way, I know you. I know you personally. I know you intimately. And you can know me personally and intimately. And so he knows us. And because he knows us, he cares for us. His care for us because he knows us is on a completely different level. 
I want you to think about some of your loved ones. Maybe it's a, a child or maybe it's a parent and, and you've had to take them to a, a hospital or a care home or maybe when you leave the house and there's someone caring for your home or, or uh, in-home care for an older loved one. No one cares for them like you do. Man, they'll never do a good enough job because your level of care is on a different level. You know them, you, you, you protect them, you fiercely defend them, you advocate for them in a different way. Why? Because you know them and you love them. And so how comforting it is to know that Jesus knows us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, we're encouraged, cast all your anxieties on him because he what? He cares for you. You know why he cares for you? Because he knows you and he loves you. So he knows when you're experiencing joy. He knows when you're in a good season. He knows when you're in a place of gratitude and blessing. And he knows when you're hurting. He knows when you're concerned. And he'll be with you, and he'll walk with you. He knows about your rocky marriage. He knows about your illness. He knows about your miscarriage. He knows about your depression. He knows about your addiction. He knows about the death of the loved one. He knows all about those things. And sometimes we go, but Lord, then why did you allow them? You know, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. We sin. We experience the, the effects of sin and the brokenness and the corruption of earth. But Jesus promises as our good shepherd to be with us. We talked about this last week, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And this is how Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And we know that the Lord is the good shepherd. So again, the shepherd shaft, the shepherd crook has such usefulness to the shepherd. Not only can he use it to stop and make distinction, but he uses it to guide. And when he's walking with the sheep, he would use his staff to, to tap them and direct them. Sometimes they would even learn to throw them like a javelin to a place to prevent a sheep from falling off a precipice or into a hole. Sometimes if a sheep wasn't really listening, they would get the other end, the hook, you know, grab them by the leg and pull them close. If they're about to fall off something or fall into something or really go a different direction, they had the ability to grab and bring close. Your fraud and your staff, they comfort me. And so when you go through your valley where you do experience death, you experience evil, it's out there. The good shepherd is with you. And, and, and he's with you. And you feel it, right? You know when the Lord's tapping on you like, hey, don't go that way. You don't want that relationship. I know it's really enticing. Hey, I know you want to make this decision over here, but don't go that way. You, you feel the Lord tapping on you. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I know what it feels like when the Lord goes, get over here. You know? That's comforting. But why does he even bother? Because he knows you. And he loves you, and he cares for you. And so even though we walk through those valleys and we walk through those places of shadow, the good shepherd, he's with us. And so we can be certain of his care for us because he owns us and he knows us. And not only that, he calls us. Jesus calls you. Look at verse 16. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now again, he's talking to a 100% Jewish audience in this moment. Now I have other sheep not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So he's talking to one flock about another flock. Now, I've heard some pretty bizarre things. I've had people tell, I've actually had someone tell me, I think that's aliens. I think there's like aliens or the other sheep on another planet. I'm like, there's some very lost sheep, man, out there. But um, who is Jesus talking about? Well, he's talking to the Jewish fold. He's speaking about the Gentile fold. He's speaking about the non-Jewish people. So I'm going to bring them in. He's going to call them, right? He calls to his sheep, and they recognize, and they respond. 
And so this right here is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. God said he was going to send a shepherd from the line of David to watch over his flock. We see this in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 23. God says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And so the, the Lord is prophesying about the one who would come to be the good shepherd. And here's Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. He's going, that's me. And we see in the book of Romans, we, we see it in the concept of grafting, that at some point God's going to not just have these special promises for the people of God for Israel, but then he's going to activate these promises and make them available to the Gentile, to the non-Jew. And he's going to graft them in to the promises of God. And how's he going to do that? In the same way he's doing this here. He's going to put one shepherd over both flocks, and he's going to unite them into one flock of God's people. And so he's going to call. And we know when Jesus is calling us, he calls out to the Jews, he calls out to the Gentiles, and when Jesus calls you, you respond, you recognize his voice. What a fun picture of what happens when the shepherd calls. Now you got to remember, sometimes in the village, multiple shepherds would bring multiple flocks into one large giant sheepfold. And all the sheep would be in there. And then the shepherd would just come up to the fold and call, and his sheep would come out. All the other ones would stay in. And that's just a beautiful realization of when Christ calls, when the Lord calls, his sheep will respond. I hope all of you have responded to the call of the Lord, because he's calling. Maybe there's some, someone here today that the Lord's been calling you for a while, and you've been like, no, no, no. But now you're hearing his voice. He's calling you. He's bringing you into relationship. He's called us. You know, 2 Timothy 1.9 speaks about Jesus who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin. Jesus says, here's the good shepherd, they'll know my voice. I hope you know the voice of Jesus. I hope you recognize the voice of Jesus. I hope you obey the voice of Jesus. Because when you do, you make your relationship with him certain, secure, fulfilled, satisfied. It's all response because he's called you. We live in a world where there's so many others' voices calling out to us. When you look through John 10, it talks about them like being thieves and robbers and hired hands and wolves. They're calling out to us. They try to uh, confuse you and detour you away from the good shepherd. Listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Respond to his voice when he's calling you, whether that's uh, obedience every day or whether it's into a relationship for the first time in salvation. Know the shepherd's voice and respond to his call. So we can be certain in our relationship with the Lord because he owns us, he knows us, he calls us, and lastly, and I want to camp out here for a little bit, he lays down his life for us. He lays down his life for us. Look at verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, the reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. Now, when we think of shepherds, we kind of think of a G-rated version oftentimes. We envision the little Fisher-Price shepherds that our kids played with, or maybe the Precious Moments figurine, or the little you know, shepherd boy at the Christmas play. Man, shepherding was a tough job. It was not for the weak. It was dangerous. Shepherds risked their lives often. They were dirty, they were stinky, they were tired a lot of times, they worked outside the community oftentimes, it was not a job for the weak, and part of their job was defending their sheep from wolves and mountain lions and bears, 
thieves and robbers. And so they had their staff to defend the sheep against the wolves. They had knives, swords, slingshots. The shepherds could be bad dudes, you know. They needed to protect their sheep. And we need to embrace this understanding that the, the shepherd can be a fierce warrior when needed to be to defeat the threat against his sheep. And so for the common shepherd, the threat was the predators, the threat was the robbers and thieves. We see a couple interesting verses in Amos 3.12. It says, thus says the Lord, as the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear. Kind of a morbid little conversation there about shepherd going and rescuing the sheep or pieces of the sheep from the mountain lion. That's not your little Fisher-Price toy doing that, you know? You look at um, 1 Samuel chapter 17, the scene where Saul and David are talking. Eventually, David would be King David, but he's going to have to defeat this guy named Goliath as a major game changer in his life. And Saul's going, you're a little kid. You're a little shepherd boy. What are you going to do? And we look in 1 Samuel 17. David says to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. That is not your precious moments figurine. I don't know too many people who've taken out a mountain lion or a bear or wolves without a gun. Shepherds can defend their sheep from the wolves. And just as the shepherd defends its flocks from the wolves, Jesus loves and cares us so much that he defends us from the wolves. He was willing to lay down his life to protect us. And which of the two biggest, baddest wolves was he protecting us from? The two biggest, baddest wolves he was protecting us from was death and sin. Who else can protect you from death and sin? What else can protect you from death and sin? Nothing. Nobody. Jesus was the only one with the authority from heaven as God in the flesh to defeat sin, to defeat death. And just as the shepherd could use his rod to... to, be stand between him and the wolves to defend his sheep. He was willing to lay down his, his life for the sheep just as a shepherd used a piece of wood to defeat wolves. Jesus used a piece of wood to defeat those two wolves. He used the cross. He used the cross to defeat death and he used the cross to defeat sin. He's taken them out. We see in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 to 57, it says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable. This is talking about when we move from this mortal life to immortality, to eternal life. And the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in, what's the word? Help me. You say it with conviction. Victory. victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered death. Average person is so afraid of dying. The fear of death is real. When you know the shepherd and you know the flock and the place you're going, you're not afraid. It's a promotion. It's a graduation, right? Don't want it to hurt. Don't want it to be ugly. But when we go from this life to the next life, we're going home. We're going to see the good shepherd face to face. And when we don't have that certainty... When we're not certain of that, fear reigns supreme in our life. And Jesus defeated the wolf of death. And Jesus defeated sin. 1 Peter 2, 24-25, one of many verses. It says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might 
die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. It says, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Jesus defeated sin, conquered the, the, the penalty of sin, which is, is eternal death on our behalf. That's what the cross is about. And we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. Maybe you're new to, to this, and you've never heard what we call the gospel before, which is the good news that God loves you so much that despite your sinfulness and brokenness, he came down in person, Jesus Christ, and he went to the cross, and he died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose from the grave. Like, this is profound, powerful news. And we hope that you would respond to the calling of the good shepherd today and let him into your life and follow him. But here's, here's the reality. Most of us have probably given our lives to Christ. We know Jesus. We know the gospel. But here's what's sad. Here's what's tragic, even a little bit dangerous for us. The cross is old news. The resurrection is old news. It's become static. It's become casual. It's become background noise in a life pursuit of personal um, fulfillment and self-indulgent. We've lost the awe of the cross. We had a guy recently with some of our team. He helps translate Bibles to unreached people group. What a great work to help be part of translating a Bible for an entire people group. What a, what a great work to be part of. And he showed us a little clip. And, and I've seen the clip before, but it struck me again, and it hit me hard. And what it is, it's this uh, Gamo people. The Gamo people are a tribe in Ethiopia. They had never heard the gospel, never seen the gospel. And they finally had a Jesus film in their own language. And for the first time, they got to see Jesus do what he did, miracles, his life, his ministry, and then they saw him die on the cross. And then they saw him raised from the grave. And I think the contrast between what we typically do when we think about that and what someone in that situation typically does when they think about that is a little bit different. The good shepherd laid down his life. He gave his life. Like, do you remember the first time that sunk in for you? Do you remember the first time you got that? And it was like, Jesus, Jesus died for me? And, and, you, and you saw the, the pain that he went through, and you saw the sacrifice that he went through, and it just ripped your heart. Some of you right now, your hearts are just ripped because you've seen kids and people, that are, they're seeing that for the first time. And it just ruined them. Why do we have to try to sell Jesus in this culture, right? We've got to try to convince people. And when we talk about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, it just becomes like, eh. Like what happened to that passion and that, the gratitude and the, the profoundness of Jesus Christ dying on the cross? Why doesn't it mesmerize us and ruin us every time we think about it? It's become static. The good shepherd laid down his life. He defeated death. He defeated sin. I love what he says here in verse 17. He says, for this reason, Father loves me because I laid down my life. And then guess what he says after that? He says, that I may take it up again. He says it again in verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. Jesus is saying, don't be confused. No one murdered Jesus. 
Jesus didn't resist what was happening to him. He knew it was God's plan from the creation of the world. He, he gave his life. He laid it down. And he said, watch this. I've got the authority to lay it down. No one's taken it from me. And I've got the authority to take it up. And you see all those kids when Jesus rose? They realize that's not the end of the story. Like, I hope that you guys realize the cross isn't the end of the story, right? The empty grave is the end of the story. Sometimes I feel like we, not, we don't just need to have a little cross we carry. We need to have like a little open tomb that we wear, right? Because that's more appropriate where our hope is. Our hope isn't in the fact that someone died. Look, the history's full of martyrs. History's full of people who died for their cause. Jesus is not just another person who died for his cause. He's God in the flesh who laid down his life so that he could defeat sin and death, and then he took his light up again, rose from the grave. The resurrection's where our hope is found. That's what makes him the good shepherd, not a shepherd, the shepherd, the good shepherd. I hope you all are passionately in love with your shepherd. If you are a follower of Christ, I hope today just grabs you and shakes you and goes, Jesus owns you. He knows you. And he calls you. You've responded. He continues to call you. He continues to keep you in check or responding. And don't forget, he laid down his life for you. And he laid down his life for your neighbor. And he laid down his life for your coworker. And he laid down his life for your parents and your children and your friends. See, we follow the good shepherd not so we can just be in his fold, but then we obey him. He says, now I want you to go tell other people about being in my fold too. Have you lost the love for the lost that don't know the good shepherd? Because if you love the good shepherd, you're going to love those he loves, and he loves the lost. Maybe some of you have never responded to Christ before, and you're just really starting to hear for the first time, this is, this is the love of God directed at you, aimed at you, that he owns you, he knows you, he calls you right now, and he wants you to know he laid down his life, and he took it up so that you can experience joy and peace and comfort and be certain in this life. This life is uncertain, is it not? We have no clue what the next hour, the next day really holds. We've got plans, that's fine, but we really don't know what's coming. How can you be certain? Just follow the good shepherd. Let him comfort you, guide you, be with you. Follow the good shepherd. The life message today is the shepherd's care makes the sheep certain. I hope that's true for you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder of Jesus being our good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus, that you laid down your life. You took it up again. May we never lose the awe of that. Lord, right now I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that you would help them be certain in this uncertain life. Lord, I pray for a fresh awe of the cross, a fresh awe for the empty grave. We pray for those that we're inviting to Easter, Lord. These cards we're going to take and we're going to give to people, Lord. Would you go before us? Would you soften hearts? Would you anoint our tongues and our words to be words of love and compassion and care for the people that we're inviting and talking to, not just to church, but more importantly, to eternal life by knowing Christ. Father, help us to respond to your care and guidance in our life. Lord, right now I pray for anyone who needs you as Savior. And while our heads are bowed and we're praying, I'm just going to give an invitation. If there's anyone here today, you're sitting here and you have never asked Christ into your life, and you get it today, and you know you need Jesus, and you're ready. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Are there any hands here today? I'm just looking for a hand. Anyone here today? If you've never had Christ in your life, for the people raising their hands, I invite you to pray with me. To Jesus, thank you 
for laying down your life for my sin. Thank you for taking the hit for me. Thank you for bearing my sins on the cross so that I don't have to. And thank you for raising from the grave. And right here, right now, I give my life to following you. You've called, I've answered. You own me. You know me. You've called me. You've laid down your life for me. I will follow you now the rest of my life. Come into my life be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that we've heard. Lord, may it linger in our hearts and spirits and make us better sheep following you. We ask in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. If you rose your hand and you prayed with me, I'm going to invite you that during this song, take your response card out. There's a little section there that you can mark. I received Christ today. Would you take that and turn it in the baskets that we collect here shortly? We'd love to follow up with you and tell you how to grow in your new relationship with Jesus. Amen?